Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. It is Thursday, April 7th, and we are here for a pop-up episode with FSU's track coach, Bob Brayman. Coach Bob, how are you doing today? Doing great, TJ. My, my fellow Lutes, man. <laughs> we just found out um, in the before we got on here that we're neighbors. We live like eight minutes away from each other. So There you um, go. When you're back... I, What's ironic is you guys are coming down here to, to home and I'm heading up your way. We're going to pass each other tomorrow on the interstate <laughs> while we while we're going opposite ways. But uh, yeah, we, a lot to talk about. But other than that, just learn that we're neighbors. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> um, cool. Well, speaking of that, let's jump right into it. Let's talk. Uh, you know, thank you for coming on. We appreciate your time. We'll try to we'll try to be gracious with it and not take up too much time of yours today. But um the transition from indoor to or outdoor to indoor season and or indoor to outdoor. Sorry, let's do that backwards. Um, we're you know you you don't really get an off season, do you? You just kind of keep going forever. Uh, what what is that like to just you know be yeah. at this all the time? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. I mean, just as a coach, it's kind of crazy because we have cross country in the fall, and you know Olympic trials or World Trials, USA Championship. You know, that's going to run at end of June. And if a guy makes the team, you might be somewhere in July, you know, or August. So very little off season at all. Very little chance for me to get down to Tampa, my second home, and, and see some Tampa Bay Rays ball, which, you know, I love the Rays. Um, but, yeah, it's a long season. Um, for us, the main thing is trying to balance how aggressive we are in the indoor track season so we don't have an indoor track here at Florida State. So an indoor track is basically half the size of an outdoor track. So it looks more like a, a roller rink. You know, it's it's 200 meters instead of 400. And it's got banks on it. And, you know, and the jumps are similar and the throws are similar because they're, there's throwing and jumping on a runway or whatever. But running is different. So it's a tighter circumference. And so... A little bit of a technique to running on those tight turn tracks. You can get really good at it if you have that facility. Different facilities throughout the country have different banks and radiuses to them. So for me, outdoor track is the Olympic sport. Indoor track is not an Olympic sport. So I look at the big picture. What are we trying to do? We're trying to prepare these guys and ladies for the next level and give them the opportunity. So We'll compete indoors. We've been NCAA runner-up indoors uh, a couple of times where we almost won a championship, um, but we don't overemphasize it. We really try to, you know, we have an ACC championship. We have an NCAA championship. And if we can be in the top 10, that's great. But yeah. if you try to get too focused on the indoors, you'll do way too much hard work to hurry up and get peaked. And sometimes you can sacrifice the process, which takes a longer period of time. So we're taking yeah. athletes from one level of fitness to the absolute highest level of fitness. And if you try to shorten that natural four-month progression or five months and split it up into a couple segments, you take some risks. And so right now we're dealing with some of those risks with some, some injuries on the sprint side. Uh, Isaac Grimes are – NCAA runner-up and fifth-place finisher in the Olympic trials in the long jump, those guys aren't healthy right now. And so we quickly tried to shut them down toward 
the end of indoors, give them some time to heal and run through that process because the regular season is just a rehearsal for the championship season. You are in our sport who you are on that one day. And so, you know, and then we're individuals. So we got individuals who are qualifying in their events for the championship season. And then collectively we're a team. So different events, there is no javelin throw indoors for obvious reasons. There is no discus (laughs) throw, right? So, so those folks are really ready to go and they're getting regional marks and getting qualified for NCA regionals right now. And then you try to want to get your relays done because we don't have to be a plus to get our elite sprint relays qualified. So we're trying to do that stuff right now, but otherwise we're going through that progression and you got to be healthy and you got to be peaked at the national championship and the regional to get to the national. So not a lot different than other sports, except that the regular season is, is truly a rehearsal for those championships. Yeah. You did see some success. Yeah. There was a lot of individual success though. Um, in the indoor, we, we had Trey on here. We had Lauren on here. Obviously Adrian had a lot of success and you know, those are some of the ones that get a lot of key praise and key highlights, obviously winning national championships will, will do that, which is something you're familiar with, but uh, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but uh, talk to us about a little bit of the success that some of those athletes had on, on the indoor um, this year that we all kind of, yeah, we did. We had some, <clears throat> we had some good success. We got motion here. Okay. Um, we had some great success. I mean, Trey almost broke the world record. So obviously that's, that's a big deal for him. And the funny thing was Trey was probably the greatest track and field athlete never to have won a national championship and now he's got that one in his backpack and now he can focus on, you know, cause I mean, just missed the Olympic team in the hurdles and the U S is the best hurdle country in the world. So, and he was injured at the region meet, couldn't even run the NCA and by God and miracles, he, he was ready for the trials and, and, and almost made the team. So now Trey has a chance to, you know, go after that collegiate record, make the world championship team, um, and really leave his mark. You know, I mean, statistically, he's got more elite marks indoors than even the record holder um, in Grant Holloway. But he's got one title, and he needs another one, and he needs to put that indelible mark for himself, and he'll have a phenomenal professional career, as we know. Um, we're hoping that same thing is going to happen for Isaac Grimes in the long jump, who really only could jump a couple times indoors and and still made nationals but then had a quad injury and couldn't go but adrian ended up being the second fastest collegian of all times in the in the 5000 and lauren was the fourth fastest all time in the 3000 so yeah they had a lot of success but what i was speaking of earlier was how that indoor season can wear you down so adrian and lauren both got picked for their country's indoor world championship so that was the week after ncas and then lauren being from the southern hemisphere of australia a week ago she had to run her world trials for australia for the outdoor season so for for adrian lauren ahmed muhammad who was really good for us this year 
uh, Maudie Skyring, who's one of our best ever in the 1500. It was NCAA finalist and score All-American last year. They're all pushing their seasons back. So you're going to see them more like end of April. And for Trey Cunningham enthusiasts, he's going to open up next week at Tom Jones in Gainesville. So we'll slowly start to evolve. And Isaac Grimes, our long jumper, is going to open up in Gainesville as well for their outdoor debut. Um, And then hopefully we get to ACC's, which is middle of May, you'll start to see super elite four by one teams because we're a sprint destination, obviously. And you'll start to see what we can be as a team. So we don't look at rankings this time of year because it doesn't make any sense. And we also want these athletes not just to be great at the NCAA for Florida state. We want them to be able to be great for their country in the summer. And so we we're a little more protective than some places where the SEC wars, people like Adrian, he's going to run, you know, two or three races. And Trey's going to run two or three races. And Lauren's going to run two or three races. And Isaac's going to jump long jump and triple jump. And we just we just don't do that. We'd rather lose an ACC championship if it's going to help us be higher or maybe win an NCAA championship over the conference yeah. meet. And so we've been good about that. And a lot of athletes want to – come to Florida state because they do know that we kind of protect their career. Yeah. Coach. And I, I love that perspective. And, you know, obviously you guys are coming off a great indoor season, really excited for outdoors coming up. Um, I want to go back to my time in school a little bit, coach. I enrolled in 2006 at Florida state and I, I had convinced myself I was going to see a dynasty of a football team with, with all these future stars. And little did I know I was going to see a dynasty in track and my freshman year, Oh, six, Growing up a huge Florida State football fan was cool, but the one athlete I couldn't wait to see in person was Walter Dix. Uh, just talk about the, the the kind of lead up to the dynasty when you came to Florida State. You know, I got there about, sounds like about six years after you or so, but getting a guy like Walter Dix to come to Florida State and seeing what he did, you know, winning a bronze medal in the Olympics, my goodness. But also that kind of was the start of the dynasty for you guys. Yeah, we had been good for quite some time in, in, in track and field, but we hadn't been kind of back in the top 10. And, um, you know, I worked for Terry Long, who was a great coach. And um, when I got there, I was a cross-country coach, head cross-country and assistant track in 2000. And Coach Long was, you know, playing to retire. And I was lucky enough to get the job in 03. But during that time when I was his assistant, I recruited all events and really tried to help you know, I had a lot of time because I'd been the head coach at South Florida and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm only coaching one event group. What am I going to do with all my, what am I going to do with the other 60 hours a week? Cause I work, was working 80 hours a week. Right. So did a lot of recruiting, helped out. We had a great synergy with the coaching staff was lucky enough to get the job. And so my first outdoor season was Oh four and we finished 17th on the men's side so we hadn't been in the top 20 in quite some time. That was progress. The next year, 05, um, they used to score the region meet, and we beat Florida in the region meet and won it. And we were ranked like second in the country behind the great Arkansas dynasty. But I think I learned a little lesson. We put a little too much energy into that region meet because we hadn't beaten the Gators in a lot of years. 
and that was fun. And then they flipped on us, and we were fourth at the national meet, and they were second. So from that day on, we always viewed that regional meet as a qualifier. Top 12 get to go. Doesn't matter if you're one or 12. And then make it happen. And so then the next year, my third year, your year, Richie, 06, we won the national championship. And the year before, 05, Walt was a freshman, and he won the NCAA 100-meter, you know, as a freshman. And the media all descended upon him. He's a real quiet guy. And the media all descended upon Walt. And the other guy who was an icon was Xavier Carter, who was from Lake Daytona Beach area at LSU. He was a football player as well. And he'd win his event. He'd do the X-Men and, you know, and a lot of people were doing a lot of self-grandizing back then. Walt just ran through the finish line. No big deal. Walked over, put his sweats on. And all the press said, hey, Walt, you know, how come you don't do the, you know, and all this stuff. And, and he said, he said something that I thought was incredible for a freshman. He said, Jesse Owens never did that. And you're like, wow. You know, I got goosebumps just telling the story of this guy who was just so uh, intelligent beyond his years to realize that, that, you know, the heroes of the sport were about winning and being great, not about drawing attention to themselves. And so Walt was always that guy, you know, and that was just great to have him. After three years, he'd won, you know, so many titles. He had a chance to go pro, and he finished up. He went all four years and, you know, helped us win. We won 06, 07, and 08, and Walt stuck around and helped us win in 08. And then he went right to Beijing and was double bronze medalist, um, you know, there. So, um, yeah, very cool story. I, I knew Walt's high school coach really well, and normally – the event coach, the men's sprint coach, or the jumps coach, or the throws coach, they're way more influential in the coaching or recruiting process than the head coach. I just, I, I support what they do. But the coach at, at Coral Springs, Brantley Barr, was a longtime friend of mine. And so I was able to, to leverage that a little bit. Um, and the family was super protective because his dad was a coach. And his mom was like on the Broward County School Board. So very education-oriented folks, very protective of Walt. His brother was at Florida A&M, so that was a, a real plus for us. And, uh, you know, he ended up breaking the collegiate record, and he's in our Hall of Fame. And, you know, we were a good sprint program, but Walt really put that brand out. And then we almost won it in 2009. We lost by one point that year. And I think we've got like four NCAA outdoor runner-ups to go with those championships. And, you know, it's just a little tougher right now because the SEC schools have more toys than we do. And uh, athletes are a little different than, than they were even when you were in school, Richie, where, you know, we didn't have cost of attendance money, you know, which they now get in their scholarships if they're on a big scholarship. You know, everybody, all they got was tuition, books, and fees, and you didn't even really have all those extra meals and, team dinners and stuff like that. I mean, the only time they'd make a little pocket money is they'd go on a trip and you could provide them with a dinner for each day of competition. And they'd come home with a hundred bucks and feel like they'd hit the lottery, you know, and, and that's changing now with, you know, you've got cost of attendance money, 
hopefully real soon we're going to have this academic money for the kids. And then, you know, obviously the NIL stuff, which really hasn't hit track and field yet, but it probably will. And, you know, in our sport track and field, a lot of middle class and, and lower class kids come from, you know, poverty and from all over the world. We're a super diverse sport. Um, men and women combined, you know, programs. So we're all very, very close family. But I mean, we had like 13 different countries represented um, yeah. at the last Olympic Games for Florida State alums. Yeah. So that's a really cool part of it. But it's very challenging because we've only got 12.6 scholarships for men and 18 for women. That's the NCAA limit. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't get all that extra money. They don't get the cost of attendance and stuff like that because we're splitting these scholarships up into so many more people. So it's a real challenge and I have to be a capologist, but it's changed from your days just 15, 16 years ago, Richie. Yeah, it really has. And NIL, you know, went live last summer and we're all kind of monitoring it. And, you know, TJ does some uh, Twitter spaces with Josh Newberg and they've had rising spear warpath eight five Oh all on there. Um, and, and it sounds like we're, it's a big challenge because you have state legislation and all of this, we could do hours on NIL alone, but I, I want to go back to one other athlete, uh, when I was there. So I lived in Smith hall and, uh, played in a lot of underground poker games back in, uh, Sally. <laughs> and, uh, there was one character, huge character who would always take my money. King batch, Andrew bachelor. Uh, you talked about Walter Dix, how, you know, he was more mild mannered. Anyone who knew, uh, Andrew in college, no, he was a huge personality. Um, so maybe not so much to talk about what his, he did to, for you guys. He obviously helped you win some national titles, but what's happened to him since when he was at Florida state, you talk about NIL, that kid would have banked off his vines. Um, and now he's in every Netflix original movie I ever see. Yeah. It would, it would be wonderful to do a story on, on King batch. You know, yeah. <laughs> I saw him, you know, I don't know how many years ago he was in a movie and I'm like, Oh my God. Cause I knew he'd gone to New York and, uh, he wanted to be an actor, and I think he kind of the King Batch that whole thing. He he was, uh, you know, he was like Kardashian before Kardashian, right? He had yeah. he had his million followers and all that craziness. Yeah. Um, he was a good high jumper. He's not a super tall guy, you know. He's probably five ten, five eleven, but he did end up making it to nationals in the high jump. Um, and I remember I said before, twelve people make it. And so at the region meet in Jacksonville, which was his hometown, and three guys were in a jump off for the one spot. And Batch won it. And, you know, it was like a jump off is kind of crazy because they'll lower the bar. And if two guys make it, then they raise the bar. Well, you've been jumping for an hour. You raise the bar, but he's going to miss it, right? And so you're just out there grinding away. And Andrew managed to outlast those guys and made it to nationals and was on, you know, one of our better teams, but he was an ACC champion. And uh, like you said, he's quite a character, uh, you know, super good, super good teammate, outgoing guy, but he was just a high jump specialist. And, you know, it isn't nice to have that kind of talent where training is, you know, running out there and doing technical work and you're not sweating much, you know, that kind of thing, but it would be great to get, uh, to get Andrew back here and uh, do a show with him. And maybe even just, I don't even know if he's been back to Florida state. I haven't seen it, but what, what a celebrity for us. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. And I laughed about how you said, what, what a practice. I did high jump in high school and we were second year high school in central Florida. And by the time I graduated, I actually left with a school record. It wasn't much six, six, but, oh, but my friends would always give me a hard time, especially the runners that like, Oh, you just go sprint and then get some sun laying on the mat while the rest of us do all the work in practice. So I could see batch just sitting and getting some sun and yelling at the, his teammates there. I, I think he was, he was watching the, uh, the ladies practice probably. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know batch. That's what batch was doing. So. Oh Yeah. Coach, you've been at FSU a couple of decades, and I kind of made a point um, after this summer to not let an opportunity go by to talk about Coach Bowden. And so, you you know, you were there and um, around when he was, you know, finishing up the dynasty and then in the later years too. But I don't know. I, I, people, I've had, you know, Meat told us a funny story about when he was speeding through the neighborhood one time. And, you know, Sue told, Sue's told us about, you know uh, – when, when she got to FSU and, and he, you know, encouraged her, just, I don't, it, it could be funny. It could be serious. It could be both. It doesn't matter. Just give us a, I mean, a Bowden story or talk to us about the, the legend. Yeah. He would, the great thing about him is he'd reach out to the other sports, you know, and, and he's like, Hey, you know, what y'all are doing over there is great. And, um, you know, we had, we had dual, we had some dual event athletes between track and football, which is yeah. a natural and, um, you know, he would, he really encouraged it. And, uh, it, it, but it, it was all about academics. So quite often we worked with Mickey Andrews, you know, and, and Mickey was great. And he was like, coach, you know, I'm, I'm great with him running track, but, you know, make sure he goes to class, you know, and, you know, we had Michael Ray Garvin and he was like, make sure you're on Michael because he needs to be, you know, and, and he was a all American on our four by one. He scored in the 200 and, you know, Michael Ray was a, you know, he was a good guy and a good character. We had him on the team. He was on the team with Walt as well. So, you know, we had that. Um, we had Cromarty on the team for a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, here's this guy as a freshman who's uh, 6'3", 200-and-something pounds, and he's running, you know, ACC runner-up as a freshman in the 400. You know, not the 100, the 400. You know, so, um, I mean – that guy was a freak athlete. And then along, you know, after coach Bowden left, we had Jalen Ramsey and, you know, Jalen was, he'd come out there without practice and long jump and uh, finished, I think third in the NCA one year with about two weeks practice. And, and, uh, I mean, Jalen could be the greatest athlete that I've had my eyes on in college. So just a phenomenal athlete. And then he, you know, he and uh, one of the other guys filled in when we had injuries on the, four by one without practice. And we were able to, to win the ACC championship with them. Um, and thank God we had him at that time, but no, I, my first experience with coach Bowden, I came up and I got hired in July for 2000 to be the uh, cross country coach. And so every year you had to take these uh, uh, NCA recruiting exams. Right. And so if you could, if you were too busy and you couldn't do it throughout the year, they would have a person come in and monitor it and then you'd have to do the exam. And so I come in and they've assigned this date of July 16th or something. And it's me and coach Bowden, you know, <laughs> taking the exam together and coach Bowden's like, uh, you know, Hey there, young man, you know, like everybody's young man. And, and once he knows you real well, then your name is buddy. Everybody's buddy. Hey buddy. You know, Hey buddy. And then, uh, but it was just funny because we were, 
you, it was an open book. You could take it was an open book, but it's you know the book's that thick. And he's like, you know, I just want to make sure here we're allowed to open the book, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> Coach Bowden knew the rules really well. And I don't know that he ever opened that book. You know, he just went right through, boom, 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 answered the questions. And I was this young kid just getting to Florida State, worried that I was going to stay there. So I made sure I <laughs> put the answer, looked it up, double-checked it. So it took him about 30 minutes, and I had to take the whole hour. But, no, I had a lot of rules. Times I'd come across Coach Bowden were just real complimentary. The guy always had time for people. And, you know, and then, you know, one of his favorites was one of my favorites, Monk Bonasort, you know. Yeah. And Monk was just phenomenal. Um, you know, he really was great for every sport in the athletic department. And, you know, it could be a bizarre question like, hey, Monk, you know, we really want to talk to you about getting this guy in as a transfer. And he'd look at me and go, no, we're not going to take that guy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we need to rethink that one, you know, or he'd say, well, tell me about the kid, you know, and, and whatever. And so, so Monk was a great conduit to, and he, he's a guy that had so much longevity here. That he's connected to TK connected to the campus. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was, he was one of Bobby's favorites and he's on the all Bowden defensive back team, you know? So, uh, I was able to connect a little bit more with Bobby through Monk. Yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing the old stories, and I love just just the interactions. Like I said, he he did. Everybody that talks to him, it doesn't matter if it's been a coach, a former player, just whatever. Like they made you feel like you were the only person in the world, you know, at that at that moment, and really a, a special special quality. And you know, ultimately the reason we're all sitting here right now, <laughs> you know, doing this. Um, well, I will let you go after this. I appreciate your time a ton. We we like to, we understand, you know, the, the annual fund and we understand Seminole Boosters and we understand all that. But I do like to give coaches the opportunity to just talk about what booster support does for, for your program. Specifically, we, we work a lot with the boosters and we try and shout them out and, and get people to support as much as we can. Um, sometimes by peer pressure and sometimes by letting letting you guys kind of brag on what your team's doing. So we'll do it the kind way today, but talk to us a little bit about uh about booster support for your program? I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely urgent right now because we're trying to keep up with SEC TV dollars and all these extra benefits and stuff. And it, it's crazy. All the, the things, if you have the money, all the things you can do for the sure. student athletes. And so if we have money, we want to do more. And so one of the things that for our sport, they have, you can, you can donate directly to the sport. It's called Sport Clubs. Ours is the Macintosh Society. But 90% of the dollars that we get donated for the Macintosh Society, we put into summer school, graduation completion, you know, things like that where we can help keep them whole. One of my favorite stories is during COVID, um, you know, we all had to go home that year. Remember, we were shut down 2020, whatever it was. And no summer school because there was no school going on. And we, we went ahead and with the support of David Coburn at the time, we petitioned the NCA to give them support money because they would have potentially gone to summer school. And we were able to pay rent with that sport club money for like 50 student athletes for that summer. So it wasn't a lot of money, but we were able to give, you know, $1,500 to, 50 athletes, and you can do the math, 
from our sports fund. And that to me was the best use of that money to keep them whole. Um, otherwise, you know, what were they going to do? You know, they live on a tight financial side of it. They couldn't go to summer school. Um, so that really helped a lot. And so those are the kind of things that make our seminal booster organization just incredibly valuable. And Michael Alford did a phenomenal job in his time over there. And I was a big supporter, am a big supporter of him as the AD, extraordinarily personable. He just needs to be able to have the ability to use his, his people skills and his student athlete skills. And right now he's, as every athletic director, he's putting out a lot of fires. And once he gets those done, I'm really excited to work with him to make our student athletes' lives better. And that's really the goal. What their experience is from the walk-on to the high scholarship kid, um, it's invaluable. You know, they're not going to be pros almost for sure. And if they are, it's a short period of time. So their education, what they take from this experience is huge. Yeah, I love that. Now we're we're massive Michael Alford fans. He I think he's I think he's the uh I think he's uh, you know running up against Richie and I for how many times we've we've had him on, but we just keep bringing him back and Good. we were super excited when when he became the AD cuz same thing, you know, Richie and I are both boosters. We are proud to support, happy with what he's done with the boosters and then, you know, very excited to see what the next several months and years hold with with the entire athletic program. So, um Coach Bob Raymond, we appreciate you a ton for, for hanging out with us. I know we went a little long, but appreciate your time. Appreciate you hanging out. We, we'll be following along and, and, and definitely wish you the, the best of luck as, as the year goes on in the season and then as it all starts back up. And like I said, no off season really, but as it all starts back up and, and gets going again next year. Well, let's get together in the championship season. Hopefully have something to crow about. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it for sure. <laughs> Um, Bob Brayman. Thank you, T- thank, thank you, TJ. So much. Thank you, you Rich. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. <laughs> awesome, awesome. From FSU track, Bob Brayman. Really cool. Three-time national champion. I mean, like he's been he's been around. He's seen it all. He's been around. So really, really cool. Appreciate him taking time and doing that. Something a little bit different for folks, but really glad that we could chat with him. Um, what, uh, what do you think, Richie? We need more, we need more track national championships. I think, I think he's yeah, great coach. He's a legend. Obviously <laughs> three, one, three of them all is there. Um, yeah, man. He, and actually a really cool guy. That's very personal. I see why guys like Walter Dixon, even a King batch would, you know, be drawn to him. Uh, he's awesome. His, his personality was fantastic. So, all right, we've got a lot of stuff coming your way here over the next couple of days, Saturday doing the live show with Garnet and Gold. So check that out Saturday morning at 11. We'll be back on Sunday to recap the spring game. Enjoy if you're in Tallahassee, come by the tailgate, hit my DMs or hit the podcast DMs if you'd like to come by. I'd be happy to get you in there and get you some Guthrie's chicken and some other things too. We'll just leave it at that. So we'll see you guys back a couple times over the next few days. Uh, until next time, go Noles. <laughs>